Hello and welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today we are talking about The End of the Raven King, chapters 33 till the end by Maggie Steve Otter. But before we get into the book, Corinne, what have you been obsessing about this week? Altasia, I don't really have anything written down for this here today because I don't think I really had much of an obsession beyond this book. And it was an obsession in such that I was actively avoiding trying to to read it because I didn't want it to be over. So that was really good. Um, Other than that, I've just been continuing with my previous obsessions of watching The Expanse, which is really good. I'm now in season four, and I finally finished the eighth and final Bridgerton book, which was a delight, uh, as most of them were. And now I'm just kind of sitting here in my feelings about this series and really can't bring myself to do much else except think about it. I don't know. What about you? Pretty much the same. Yeah. I haven't really had time to do anything. And also I've been avoiding reading this book for this entire week. I just finished it barely last night. I started a couple of shows, but like one episode in, so I can't even claim it as as something I'm into yet. But uh, I guess we'll see in the coming weeks. So good. We're both doing really well, really yeah. uh, healthy when it comes to thinking <laughs> solely right. about this series. Sounds about right. I truly cannot believe we are at the end i'm so sad the back half of this book gives me so many feelings and emotions there's so much to talk about and i also like kind of don't know what to talk about because i just don't know how articulate i can be about this book yeah it's already an emotional gut punch but then you combine that with like sort of the this whole project coming toward an end Mm -hmm. that we've been working for so many weeks on that that feels like a big thing too so it's been just kind of an emotional roller coaster this whole week, figuring yeah. out how to finish this book and then right. how to talk about it. Because like you said, it is so intense with the feelings that it's hard to, it's hard to articulate them. Yeah. And I think it's sad too, because we're, we still have some stuff to talk about. We have, we won't talk about where, where we're going at the end, but you know, those stories are mostly Adam and Ronan focus and primarily Ronan focus. So like, this is it for the rest of our crew. And that's just really upsetting, but it's fine. We'll, yeah. we'll persevere <laughs> somehow. Excelsior. We can do I it. I was really in my Gansey feelings this time around at the, I mean, I'm always in my Gansey feelings at the end of this book, but this time it felt, it felt bigger. Yeah. I was not okay when I finished yeah. it, but okay, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. First, we'll do a summary as we always do of the, the chapters that we've read. Uh, and then we will dive in to the nitty gritty of this book. The gangsy gathers at the barns for Ronan's birthday and Declan leaves town with Matthew. Ronan and Adam have their first kiss. Ronan dreams while Adam scries. Capeswater is being unmade by the demon and Aurora is killed. Artemis reveals to Blue that he is a tree light and she is as well, meaning that she can reside in trees that grow near the ley line. Artemis also tells them that the only way to defeat the demon is a willing sacrifice of someone's life. Gansey gathers the courage to finally found Glendower, planning to ask to kill the demon as the favor. He is led back to the mansion where his first death occurred. A cave has opened at the house, and he begins to trek through it alone, ultimately to be found by the rest of the gangsy and Henry. They find Glendower's tomb, only to learn that Glendower is dead. While traveling back to Henrietta, the demon starts to possess Adam and then Ronan. Gansey realizes that 
The purpose in saving his life the first time was so that he could willingly die now to kill the demon. Blue kisses him and he dies. The gang pleads with Caveswater to sacrifice itself for Gansey, and Caveswater remakes Gansey in all of their images. The epilogue ends with Adam returning to the trailer park to confront his parents, Henry, Gansey, and Blue preparing for a big road trip, and Ronan beginning to try to dream a new, better Caveswater. Good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So I think today we want to do something a little different, which is something we've really not focused on at all much in our episodes on the series. We want to talk about the plot uh, because a lot happens here at the end. uh, Turns out there is a plot (laughs) this entire time that we have been fully ignoring. It was really funny last week when Melissa was like, we've just been like leisurely strolling along with these characters and now shit's got to end. And it's true. But it's still uh, so emotionally satisfying the way the plot shakes out here because of that time we've spent with all of the characters. It feels very earned in a lot of ways. So I think what the biggest thing we have to talk about from the get is the fact that Glenn Dower is dead, dead. Yeah. There's no waking him. The entire time dead. Yes. And I don't know... You probably have a better sense than I do because I think you're a little more keyed in or have been more keyed into the fandom. But I, I is this somewhat controversial? I love it. I, I've seen some criticisms of this book for not necessarily for not sticking with Gansey's death, but for that the whole circumstances around that and his uh, rebirth, so to speak, uh, being confusing, which I get. But no, not really, in not really in terms of fans being upset that he was reborn again yeah so i I mean there are (laughs) the people that don't like gansey which are people that i obviously could never get along with um being upset that he comes back sure but nobody cares what they think so yeah thank god that he does come back but that does not stop me from weeping like a baby every time he dies like Mm -hmm. it's incredible stuff yeah i just i love the symmetry of his internal ruminations leading up through all of that. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second, but his trying to summon the courage to, to actually finish this and find Glendower and the fact of Glendower being dead. I, I love it. We've talked about that throughout the podcast here about how really that's just a conduit for him to get where he needs to be for the sacrifice to kill the demon, but also just to bring them all together and be what they need to be to each other and I love that it's mm-hmm. it's great I, I feel like the the story would have been weaker if if Glendower ha- Glendower had really been a thing totally I agree because that's not what the magic of this book series is and we've talked about it before too the magic in this world is very periphery in a lot of ways and it's so metaphorical and so for him to have been alive it really would have been not great I don't think I can't even imagine how that would try to change the ending but I feel like it would cheapen it a lot and take a lot of mm-hmm. agency away from these characters who we've been so invested in in their journey and particularly Gamzee's journey and his willingness to sacrifice himself would be totally totally cheapened I think if if Glendower was still alive so I love and that the story has always it. been about like the the growth of these characters and their interpersonal relationships it is never like the, the magic has always been a periphery thing like it's never it's never been the focus mm-hmm. and that's why these books like they almost don't feel like YA fantasy at all because right. that that element seems so incidental I really love too and I was more struck this time around because I think I was just trying to pay more attention to it but 
I think all the demon stuff is actually really, really well done. We do have some kind of more less than subtle exposition bombs from, I think, Neve, who I refer to in my notes as Neve Exposition (laughs) Mullen, and also Artemis telling us, the reader, about how the demon came to be, which is essentially death on the ley line, murder on the ley line, killing on the ley line creates a plants a seed of of darkness and allows it to grow and just the way the demon affects all of them and and really has this mind of its own and it's so determined to destroy things that not just are dream things related to ronin but anything that's really tied to the ley line too so adam being tied into caves water Everything about it is so scary. And so specifically having like a yen for dreamers, though, like that is that is a weird kind of focus there. I mean, not weird narratively, but I wonder why. Yeah, yeah. It's very specific. Like it wants to unmake everything that the dreamer has made and unmake the dreamer itself. Yeah. I'm really interested when we do read Call Down the Hawk, which is a book I've only read one time because it upsets me. Not in like, not that I think it's bad, <laughs> but it's just a very, makes me very nervous. And I, I am scared about where that trilogy is going and it's very dark. And I like to sit in a happier place with my characters. It's hard to read a series as it's ongoing. I haven't mm-hmm. had to feel that way in a while, but I'll be interested as we read it to th- think more about some of the similarities from what the demon does to what we see in Call Down the Hawk. You know, the Nightwash seems very similar to a lot of the reaction that people have in this book to to the demon, like just basically like black stuff like pouring out of them. And, you know, I'm and like you said, this this taste it seems to have for dreamers and wanting to hunt the dreamers down. So it's a big theme being called on the Hawks. So I'll be interested to see. I haven't thought much about it because again, I've been avoiding that book uh, for feelings reasons. And yeah. I'll be interested to think about that a little bit more as we go into, into it. But I, I really like how all of that shakes out here. I do think maybe yes, as we talked about before, we think there was supposed to be a, a fifth book in here and it probably would have set up a couple of things more nicely. But I think if you just read this back half on its own and you accept how you've gotten there to this point and particularly with the Henry stuff, it is, it works really well. Everything works really well. I, th- I wish we had gotten more Artemis and maybe more Gwynthlian leading up to this because they do provide a lot of key information that helps them forward but i like what they what we get from them i just wish we'd gotten more in the lead up so i i think it's all really well well done despite that i do too and i wonder if that's sort of the reason why um there are some people that find the ending unsatisfying or or confusing in some way is that because the the magic elements of this whole story feel so incidental and and so on the periphery that when it, the ending does sort of have a lot to do with magic and, and Gansey's rebirth has a lot to do with just straight magic that you're expected to either believe or not believe, you know? And maybe that's why, because it seemed so incidental this whole time, that it's hard to like accept now in, in a large dose. Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting point because it's true that it has been so nebulous pr- leading up to this. I like that the most like pure and overarching source of magic though ultimately at the end of the day is Cape's water which 
you know, we've talked before about how Ronan dreamt Cave's water, and we haven't talked about how, in reality, he just brought Cave's water into manifested it. Yeah, into what the form that they see it in. It's a, it's a a, a being or a, an entity that has lived for years and years, and Ronan just gave it a face, so to speak, and the mm-hmm. face being this this forest. And so I like that as the kind of like purest magic that exists here. And I like how that kind of plays in, but it's true. We don't get a ton of that in the leading up and caves water has always been kind of hard to parse through and understand what it means. And it really has taken me, I feel several reads of these books Mm -hmm. to kind of lock into that a little bit more, but I I like then that at the end of the day, that is kind of the source of everything versus even more the ley line the ley line is really important and caves water exists because of and in connection with the ley line, but it's its own thing that has affected them all so much. And when you go back and reread these books, knowing the end game for caves water, it does really make you pay attention to it more and think about it more as this kind of separate sentient, sentient being. And it makes it, I think, easier to swallow that ending for it. Yeah. So yeah, I I like this book. I like the plot. It's good. It's good. And it's good, even if it is does feel Russian spots, like I said, because we've spent so much time with these characters and we love them so much, it just really, I think, makes it all the more richer as you go through it. But I guess then let's dive into our characters here. Let's start with the Raven King himself. We'll start with Gansey because this is his book. Uh, this is his journey, uh, contrary to what Mr. Gray said earlier in this book. <laughs> this is his time. And really just so much more of what we saw in the first half of this book and in Blue Lily Lily Blue, which is Gansey just coming to this reckoning. And there is just, again, something so endearing about Gansey's dread and concern. And I don't want to say unwillingness because he's never just like, I, I'm not going to do this, but he does say, I don't want to do this. And it's just so satisfying to to watch that all play out and so relatable and this barreling towards the inevitable dread that he's going to to die for them all is it's just so much more well done and there this is a common kind of chosen one trope right you know we see it in books like harry potter and i was you know i was trying to think what's different about this why does this hit harder and why do I connect with Gansey so much more in that moment? And it's because he all along, we now know, has kind of known about it, but he's just kind of constantly thinking about it. Like in contrast to something like Harry Potter where Harry finds out and then like one chapter later, he like has to die. He doesn't have time to reckon with it. He's just like, well, shit, I'm gonna have to do it. But Gansey has to stew in that for so long. And And his his, his anxiety is near crippling. and, And there's that part at the end or towards the end where he finds that that cave inside the house where he had his first death and uh he's like looking into this tunnel and it's you know very dark and he thinks the darkness wasn't just in the tunnel it was inside him and that is sort of representative of Gansey's anxiety as a whole like and what he's been dealing with this entire time with the knowledge of his impending doom and it's just it's really heartbreaking for him it's it's so <laughs> God, he's just such a good boy. I, I don't even know how to talk about it, but what actually the scene that I, this read was my most favorite 
Gansey moment was the scene with him and Gwenthlian on the roof. Oh my Wait. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so good. It comes on the heels of that very nice scene with blue where she is dealing with her tree magic and is like in the tree and has kind of taken them into this different like spirit place. And Gansey admits there that he, you know, I don't, I don't, I know what I have to do, but I don't want to do it. And so then he falls back asleep and we don't get much Noah in this back half at all. He's so faded, but Noah leads him up to the roof where Gwenthlian is. And she says, hi ho, hi ho, Gwenthlian saying in a low, disdainful voice, are you coming to me for wisdom? Gansey shook his head. Courage. (laughs) (laughs) And I... You don't really think about Gwenthlian as a potential source for inspiration. Again, we don't get a ton of her, but he says to her in that moment, you know, you wanted to prevent X, Y, and Z from happening. You you stabbed your father's poet knowing that it was not going to end well. Like, how did, how did you do it? I stopped asking how. I just did it. The head is two eyes. The heart is all fire. All timer. It's so good. But then when he like asks her to hold his hand and she does it and then she kisses him on the cheek, it's just, it's too, it's beautiful, is what it It is. is. Mm -hmm. And I like that he at that moment is trying so hard to fortify himself and trying to fortify himself alone because he doesn't want to bring his friends with him towards what he has to do and so i like that how gwenflian serves in that moment uh, it, I, it's so good and then bolster him yeah and then talk about another like really cinematic scene that would have been so cool to see on screen with the ravens coming and like chainsaw coming and yes. saying, you know find find glendower it's explosion of birds everywhere uh, it's so good it, this is another quote from that moment when he finally figures it out In the end, it was such a simple, small thing. He had felt flashes of it before in his life, the absolute certainty. But the truth was that he'd kept walking away from it. It was far more terrifying idea to imagine how much control he really had over how his life turned out. Easier to believe that he was a gallant ship tossed by fate than to captain it himself. He would steer it now. And if there were rocks near shore, so be it. I love that because like, there's the implication there that he's known this whole time that not only is he going to die, but he's also known that he could have called Glendower out this whole time because he knows he's got that power in his voice. And I think it's just, it kind of hammers home the idea that this has never been about Glendower. This has always been about the journey and the journey for them was, was their growth and their, their relationships and everything. Yeah. And so he wasn't, he couldn't use that voice until he knew that the journey was over. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) He's everything about him is just so endearing. I just want to hug him. I never wanted to reach through the pages and hug the character. I know viscerally, he needs it so badly too. One one scene from him that I find so incredibly tragic is when he it has to confront the place of his original death again, and he's going he's walking back there to the spot where it actually happened. And he's, you know, Oh, the tree will be rotted away. There will be no evidence there anymore, but the tree is still there. And he still feels like he feels in that moment, them crawling all over his body. And he remembers thinking when he first originally died that it says he remembered thinking that it would only ruin the party by reappearing covered in hornets. That's a 10 year old baby thinking like, 
Oh, I, I know I'm dying right now, but it would just ruin it for everybody else if I showed up covered in bees. Like, and that's just so it's awful. so sad. It's so sad, but that's so Gansy too. So I mean, he's thinking of all these other people, and that's what he's thinking about his friends. You know, so he goes on alone at that point too into the cave. He, Henry, he, he love this kingly moment from Gansy. He will not ask Henry to go into this hole in the ground. Because Henry has Knows. told him about that fear, give, stemming from his kidnapping, being kept in a hole in the ground. But when they finally find him, all the friends show up, which is just a beautiful scene, too. And they all manifest and tra- change the wasps into things that won't hurt Kansi. <laughs> Can't. Uh, but Kansi says, I was trying to be heroic. Kansi said, holding her light. She was real. They were all real. They'd all come here for him in the middle of the night. The completeness of his shock told him that no part of him had really thought that they would do such a thing for him. I didn't want you guys to hurt anymore. Adam said, you dumb shit. <laughs> 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 but like, he, you know, he's so hyper concerned for his friends. And he tries to do this huge thing alone as though he never expected them to follow it's like Gansy, what books have you been reading these and it goes yeah, it goes back to like uh the first or second book i can't remember right the second exactly which book it's in but when he thinks like oh you you soft spoiled thing like you have to stand on your what good are you if you can't stand on your own two feet um thinking about how he's always there for his friends but they're never there for him and then here they are they're here for him and he still doesn't <laughs> expect expect it to happen like that Oh my god! He just—he expects so much from himself. He does. He's always told he's destined for greatness, and which is mm-hmm. a, a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways. It, 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 and I think right there is what is so great about Gansey is that he doesn't take that and ha- display hubris about that or act in ways that you would think he would given that revelation he is very resistant to it in a lot of ways and it goes to this conversation we or this thought process we get from mr gray later about like the different kinds of kings and he was a fan of kings and he's essentially a fan of kings like gansey the ones who you know only shed violence if it's you know something that is absolutely necessary to create this better society and is, is are really more about peace and more quiet gentle leadership and that's what gansey is it's I have a lot of thoughts on it. And I don't even know if I can articulate them. It's a place to articulate them. It's just, it's, I don't know how many more times I can say how good it is. And it's like, it's like the Gansey family, like motto, basically, that that Gansey repeats several times where he says, a Gansey doesn't ask, a Gansey um, just does and silently hopes that others will do unto them. Like he, he's never, he's not used to other people stepping up for him. He's used to stepping up for other people. And it's a very, yeah. it's a very kingly thing. I still just love to, we do get some good stuff with his family here in the back half, particularly like right at the beginning, he goes to this lunch he brings Henry and blue and he has lots of good moments in that where he's thinking about how he, you would think money equates to more stuff, but the real sign of wealth was just having just the perfect thing for each use. And the sparse richness is what this house displays and it makes him feel squeamish. But then he also has a very lovely moment with Helen where she realizes he's been, uh, <laughs> he's like coerced the headmaster of Anglin B to get she accuses him of, of, <laughs> She accuses him of sleeping with Ronan. 
And he's like, what? Because friendship isn't enough. I know. But then like she, when he reveals why he did it, which we talked about before, which is that like, I wanted him to have that option someday if, you know, he didn't want mm-hmm. him to throw it away because of his dad's death. And Helen just hugs him. I just, I love this. It, it's a very frustrating upbringing, not only for him, but as an outsider to read that type of very old money, conservative upbringing. But a lot of it is the foundation of who Gansey is, and he makes it the best version of it, you know, in a lot of ways. That desire or that ability to eventually do things on his own comes from that upbringing, and we got to be grateful for it. Yeah. And how that sets things up for him. And I do love that when they come out after they found Glendower and he has all these mistakes from his family and stuff, he does feel like so bad about it. They that is such a sad day. moment because you know he would never drop the ball like that for them. And and the fact that his whole family is isn't even mad at him. They're just hurt. Like it's really it's sad. A, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed thing. Yeah, it's really sad. I do like to going back to when they actually do find Glendower, Gansey's just anxiety in that moment too it's just a lot of at one point i think it says it was grief like is what he felt because it was the end and he was losing this this past version of himself who'd stalked glender hour the whole time i do like though he thinks at one point it was nothing as he daydreamed it might look it felt exactly right contrast that to when they found gwenplan and it looked ostensibly what they thought the tomb would of glender yeah. would look like but they all felt that it was so wrong but I love this quote. So this is afterwards, after they have realized that Glendower is actually dead. It was not just Glendower he was mourning. It was all the versions of Gansey he had been in the last seven years. It was the Gansey who had pursued him with youthful optimism and purpose. And it was the Gansey who had pursued him with increasing worry. And it was this Gansey who was going to have to die because it made a fatal sort of sense. They required a death to save Ronan and Adam. Blue's kiss was supposed to be deadly to her true love. Gansey's death had been foretold for this year. It was him. It was always going to be him. Glendower is dead. He'd always been dead. And Gansey kind of wanted to live. That last that last line. Oh. I can't I I mean I really could I had such a hard time writing notes for this back half because it is it's just so much of about feelings and it's hard to to to, to parse that down into actual words. So I'm just reading line, portions of the yeah, book. I don't I know. I literally just say. had that line written down with like no notes just ah yeah. <laughs> like this is just it's it's so much. The whole lead up to that moment too they're driving and again I have to suspend a lot of disbelief about the background of Henry and Gansey's relationship. It does really work in a va- in, in just if you just look at it here in this back half, it's really, really well done and it pulls at my heartstrings. But when they're driving back to Henrietta, Henrietta and Henry's like, we got to pull over. You need to do it. Go, go do it. And Gansey starts to cry and it makes me really sad and upset. But that breakdown there and the realization that he w- needs what he needs to do. And he knows this connection that Ronan and Adam have to the demon. And he has to prevent that from that. It's just, uh, it's, yeah. It's really him, yeah, he he just needs to take that moment too. I mean, he's, he's mourning himself and he's mourning Glendower. He's mourning the end of this this epic journey they've been on. And then when he hears footsteps approaching and he thinks like for the first time, Gansey understood Adam Parrish because the the thought of anybody showing him sympathy or pity of any kind was just completely unbearable. Yeah. And he finally, he finally got where Adam was coming from. And I love too, though, that it was blue and that he was like instantly 
he he he's okay showing her that side of him. Yeah. Like he doesn't feel weak showing her that that side oh of himself. <laughs> so good. And then I mean, he's kind of pushed into action here eventually. I mean, Adam is possessed by the demon. He eventually shakes that off, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, Ronan is physically being unmade in front of them, and it's horrifying. And he just it's he has to do it. And it's the lead up to that, telling Henry he's a prince among men. Ronan is trapped in like post dream world, so he can't even interact with Ronan. Just so upsetting to me. The fist bump because he says goodbye to everybody. He gets that moment, like a little moment with everybody except for Ronan, because Ronan is literally being unmade. Yeah, he's being (sighs) murdered in front of them. Oh my god! And then the fist bump with Adam. The fucking fist bump, man. Which what what is the line (laughs) that it's it was stupid and insufficient or something? Yeah. Oh my god. I I can't. And then, you know, he thinks in that moment, though, too, it had taken him a long time, but he'd ended up where he wanted after all. <laughs> I right now because of how much he loves Henrietta, how much he loves them all. He In that moment, it's like a moment of calm for him. Blue yeah. kiss me. Ooh. Just okay, that line, too. I, I cannot handle it. They kiss and then he says, uh, you know, let it be to kill the demon. And the the line goes, right after he spoke, she held him like a shouted word, love, love, love. Uh, you got your... You <laughs> 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 said, keep going. Read the rest of it. Finish nope, the chapter. Nope, D- dive this knife <laughs> into my heart. No, that's all I have written for that. Oh, okay, well, then I, the, the next line is when he slipped from her arms. He was a king. Yeah. My, my brain just malfunctions after that, so we can't. Oh man, yeah. And so- then everybody, everybody reacting to like Ronan finally comes to, and he and Gansey's body is there in the street, and he's he says, you know, move him. He's not an animal. And and then Ronan started to cry, and Ronan is the only one just like open openly sobbing. Yeah, because everybody else is kind of dealing, and you know, Adam's got a vacant stare. Henry's like, what the fuck? And Blue is is. She's expended her tears at this point, but just the image of Ronan by the side of the road realizing that Gansey has died. Like it's it's, it's horrible. But I again I do really love Gansey's remaking. I guess we can talk a little bit more about it in detail because I think it is one of the more confusing things. But essentially what we are meant to take away from this is that Gansey, who had always been this Gansey that they had met because time is a circle, has always been this restructured version of Gansey, who is made by the sacrifice from Caves Water and made based on the memories and thoughts that Caves Water takes from Ronan, Blue, and Adam. And you can see it too. The book lays it out there at what he gets from each of them. The wonder and awe at Caves Water comes from Ronan because that's Ronan's dream space. Uh, some of his anxiety and worry comes from Adam and, uh, the, you know, the similarities that we've talked a lot about from him and Adam come from from this purposefully. It's so well done. It, and and, and you, he thinks in the epilogue about how this time slipping he's feeling has always been because of this, this second, second remaking yeah. because he's been remade and has always been that version. He just didn't know it. Yeah. So it, it's really well done. I think I, I love that idea that they really are so meant to be together because they mm-hmm. actually like made him. I can see the flip side of that though, is that like, okay, does that 
cheapen their friendship because they made him into like their kind of hybrid perfect friend. I don't, I don't think that I can, I've seen that argument made before. I just think though that they are all experiencing time in a linear fashion and they don't know that they just love him because they never would have made him out of themselves if they hadn't already. Right. In a timeline, if they hadn't already loved Gansey. Right. And he came to them at some point with some of the background stuff that they Mm. could not contribute to it. And they poured all that into him too. (laughs) And that's why he felt that instant sense of rightness whenever each one of them joined the group because it was like a part of himself reconnecting. So good. Such a king. I love him so much. Let's talk briefly. I think there's really good moments with both him and Ronan and him and Adam in this book, which really shows a lot of growth too from where we started off, you know, Dad Gansey trying to micromanage their lives to where we get at the end here (laughs) (laughs) is so great. First of all, I just love this exchange after they, after they tell Gansey and Blue that Ronan (laughs) dropped caves water. While we're being forthright, have you dreamt any other geographical locations that you should tell us about? Mountains, water features? No, Ronan said, but I I did dream Matthew. For God's sakes, Casey said. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the exasperation. It's just like, of course. And then he goes on to think like, he was always in awe of Ronan's magic, but like, this is really like next level. Yeah, he's like, all right. (laughs) I also loved this moment too. This is towards the end when Gansey is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sacrifice myself. And he doesn't even say it yet. And Ronan just says, no. Mm -hmm. Not an option. No. And it really reminded me of the scene in The Dream Thieves where they confront or they meet with Mr. Gray and he tells them that they're searching for the Gray Warren. And Ronan just asks, well, what will they do to me if you hand me over? And Gansey just goes, no. <laughs> I love that <laughs> moment of like two parentheses bracketing mm. that moment for them. <sighs> Too much for me. And brothers. Brothers. <laughs> and then he I love this quote too when they're at the barns and you know Gansey sees how happy Ronan is. And Gansey was deeply moved by the sound of that laugh here of all places here in the barns, here in a room that's only 50 feet from where Ronan had found his father dead and his life in pieces. It was such a throwaway sound now, that laugh, an easy one that said it could be spent so easily because there were more where that one came from. The wound was healing against all odds. The victim would make it after all. Love that moment of realization mm-hmm. for him there. And then Adam and Gansey has they have some really good moments here. What I really like about I think this book sets up and when you go back and think about it, it really does lead to this these parallel paths that they're on. And it makes sense why Mr. Gray was like Adam Parrish and his merry band of men. Because Adam is in a lot of ways the one that keeps Gansey on this the straight and narrow, the path that he needs to be on. And I love finally at the end of that chapter where they have that great conversation after the kiss, which we'll we'll talk about at length. But you know, Adam says, I, I think it's time to find Glendower. And Gansey says, I think you're right. And there's a moment earlier in the books where they have a very similar conversation at the end of a chapter and Gansey's feeling like very frantic about it and he's like i can't believe we're going to do this and adam's like it's no it's time to do this so Mm -hmm. i like that we get that moment of reckoning and realization from them that together like it's time it's time and then at the end of that conversation to adam thanks gansey and gansey says i do my best and adam says i know it's just such a small moment because 
all that's all Gansey had ever really been trying to do when he came to Adam. Yeah. I think that's a good segue to talking about Bluesy because in that moment, Adam is sort of seeking Gansey's advice about about love. And he mm-hmm. asks, like, okay, well, we know that, you know, your your blue is true love, but do you love her? And Gansey says, yes. And then he, he's like, well, how do you know? How do you know? And he says, I suppose she makes me quiet like Henrietta. And then and Adam continues like, oh, well, how do you know you're, you love her? How do you know it's more than a friend? And he says, Gansey says, why do we breathe air? Because we love air? Because we don't want to suffocate. Why do we eat? Because we don't want to starve. How do you know? How do I know I love her? Because I can sleep after I talk to her. The bluesy <laughs> stuff in this is just... It's so sad. I mean, there's not a ton for them here in this back half, especially like this is like. Well, I love it for them, though, because they are really for the first time in this series where they've been. Want to each other this entire time that this is the first time and it's such a limited time that they get to just enjoy each other like they're they're out as a couple and they don't have to hide it anymore. Like there's just the quietest moments of blue, like laying her head in, in, in Gansy's lap in front of everybody. The, the unquestioned knowledge that they would always be together. Like when, when Adam goes to the barns later and he sees the pig and he assumes that blue is with Gansy, like just knows it as a certainty. It's no longer a weird thing. It's no longer a, a contentious thing. It's just really nice for them that they get, you know, in, in Gansy's last moments, they get to be together. And I love to the moment where they're in this tree space of blues and Gansy just kind of casually throws it in there. He's like, I love you blue, but I know what I have to do and I don't want to do it. And it's the casual mention of them being in love. I like that. We don't get the moment of like, I love you. I love you too. It's Big just such a known yeah. thing. Maybe mm-hmm. it does happen off the page. I don't know. I like to think that they don't even need to say that in that same way. Like they know they're both well, yeah. actually not kissing each other because <laughs> well, that is literally fate, right? Like it's, it's a literally faded thing. So who needs big declarations when you have something as yeah. big as fate backing you up? But um, that, that tree scene is also really great because there's that funny moment where um, Gansy's like, where are we? What's going on? And blue says, we're a tree. I'm a tree. You're ha I can't say that it would be filthy. <laughs> So like you're inside me. <laughs> Hot. I love that for them. <laughs> hey, okay. We've talked a lot about this. And I guess this is the time to talk about it. So Maggie has said they still cannot kiss after this book, mm-hmm. which is upsetting. And I get it. I get the magic. I get the specificity. Of it makes it. sense. It makes sense. And actually, I, I have more thoughts on that. Which I'm saying, but I like to think that they can get creative and do lots of other things. I have to un- envision that for them. But yeah. I... What really struck me this time around is, you know, we've talked so much about Blue's curse. We She uses that term, curse. So I've always kind of thought of it as like, you have a curse on you, Blue Sergeant, that when you find your true love, you will kiss him and he will die. But it's not that. It's more of a prediction. It in, And it lays out for you why it is that Gansy dies. The fact of both of their magic is too potent together. And him being the weaker of the two when it comes to those magical forces is what kills him. So it, that thinking of it that way actually makes it much makes much more sense to me as to why he can't that why they can't kiss going forward, because it that doesn't go away. So I like thinking of it more as more of like a, their magic affecting them versus just like some 
unknown force in the universe, like put a curse on Blue Sergeant. Yeah. The language that they use. But I, I think that that's more interesting that this magic that they all love and are obsessed with is also the ultimate hindrance to them. Yeah. When it comes to kissing. Poor babies. They'll uh, find a way around it. They'll find a way around it. They're so, you know, great. I think I sent it around. Maybe I'll post if I can find it again. Uh, some great art, some creative things that Blue and Gansey have done kissing through selfie, things like that. Mm-hmm. But also one of them kissing with masks during the COVID era. And yeah. love that from them. <laughs> love. And one of the things I started this week was pushing daisies. And, and there's like a a plot line revolving around that because, you know, two people in love that can't touch each other. So they get creative in other ways and it's, you know, saran wrap to kiss through. It's very cute. Yeah. So there's, there's good out there for them in, in the world to come. Uh, while we're on Bluesy and how things shake out for them, I, I very much like that Blue gets some real more realization about who she is from Artemis. We talked about them being a tree light. The tree lights to me are like one of the more, difficult magical things to wrap my head around sure like i don't i don't quite understand the rules about it but it's fine i'm happy for blue that she has that realization that you know Mm -hmm. when you dreamed you dream of the stars it was too much the demon ronan's ronan's grief the fact of the trees to her surprise a tear welled in her eye and escaped another was queued up behind it so this she's finally realizing oh this is me like this is why you know, I, I've always been wanting more. It's mm-hmm. it's not enough to be here. Yeah, he even uh, refers to the tier lindes as being uh, full of potential, each one of them. And that's something that's been assigned to Blue this entire series. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's the Page of Cups, because she's full of potential. Yeah. Oh, God, so, so good. So full, full circle. We get that mm-hmm. explanation here. I also love to... Gwynthlian, we get like one chapter from her POV and she's like super mad at Artemis. She's trying to be like, you know what the demon is. Like you need to tell us. Chases him into the tree, but she thinks at one point how Blue shows up in that moment. She's here was Mora's daughter. Artemis did not deserve Blue in any way. Real recognize real from Gwynthlian uh-huh. there. She does I love Gwynthlian POV. Like I, I just love it. She's, she's great. So yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of other stuff. For, I mean, this is a big revelation for Blue, but she's, I think, really kind of clicked into who she is really by the end here. And thank God we don't get a, any of her POV in the immediate lead up to Gansey's death. I could not handle it. I don't. Yeah. But I do like Gansey thinks at one point to, you know, Blue's always incredibly optimistic, but she's also very practical. Mm-hmm. And at the end, she's not like crying and saying no. She's just like, I hate this. Cool. Great, great, great. Like, don't want to do this, but I guess we have to do this. So I, I think I a weaker writer would have mined that scene for so much more over the over the top dramatic shit. And I'm really glad that Maggie is not that writer. Right. And you get you know what she feels. I mean, the scene where she sees Ronan in the car after Aurora dies and she's oh Ronan. And yeah. like the 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 way Gansey says Ronan like breaks her heart. It was so gentle. And so we know exactly what she's feeling in that moment without even when Gansey dies, without even being in her POV. Mm. I'm just glad we're not there because I'm already a GD <laughs> <right>. disaster yeah. <laughs> when it comes to that scene. So Blue Sergeant, a good one. Talk about Adam and Ronan. And we'll talk about Adam and Ronan. So, 
This is a great book for Adam, too. Every book is a great book for Adam. What I particularly like for Adam, and again, his connection to Capeswater here, the scene where he's being possessed by the demon, they've got him in the car, and his hands are tied, and he's got a blindfold on, and he scries because Ronan's being unmade, which is horrific. But he's there, and Persephone's there. It's a great little last moment for Persephone. But his realization that she helps him get to that, like, you can cast off the demon. The demon and Capeswater are not the same things. And the truth was that if you thought about the things he loved about Capeswater, it wasn't difficult at all to tell the difference between the demon and it. They grew from the same soil, but they were nothing like each other. These eyes and hands are mine, Adam thought, and they were. He didn't have to prove it. It was a fact as soon as he believed it. He turned his head and rubbed the blindfold off his eyes. He saw the end of the world. But I love that because, again, Capeswater has been the way for Adam to deal with all of his own demons and the mm-hmm. fact that he sees then the separation between Caveswater and the demon, they came from the same earth. Well, so did all, all the bad things that Adam grew up with. It's it that's him. Him and his father, they came from the they, same earth. Yeah. And he doesn't have to be that. And so again, Caveswater just being such a good metaphor for Adam casting away his own <laughs> demons. Like, <laughs> I also love that Sorry. moment for um because Persephone, you remember earlier in the book when all the women in Foxway were in the tub trying to contact her, and here Adam is not trying to contact her, but she contacts him anyway to help him out of something. And you know, you think about it and it makes sense because you know, the women at Foxway they don't necessarily need Persephone's help or wisdom here, but she comes back for Adam because he does need her. And that last moment they get, I I really, really, really love. Because oh they already had a really nice moment of closure when, like, right before they found out that she had died with their last lesson. But it wasn't really their last lesson because here she came back for another one, another with another one for him. He thinks about how he misses her. <laughs> oh, God. So, you know, that's great. Uh, and then let's, I guess, we'll circle back to it. We'll talk about the epilogue. Epilogue. Because... This is the single most satisfying thing about this entire, if I had to pick one thing, the thing I'm most satisfied with is this epilogue. And even the first time I read this book, when I've talked a lot about how the first time I read this book, I really struggled with that in the beginning. I'm in a different place with him now. But regardless, this epilogue is a masterclass in character development and growth. Mm -hmm. It blows me away. I've never been so proud of someone it's fictional or otherwise, probably. It's so powerful in, in like every way. I remember a couple of years back, somebody had, back when Maggie had a Tumblr, somebody had um, sent her an ask and been like, why did you have Adam go and beg for some reconciliation with his parents? And she wrote a whole post, like a, a very long post about it. But essentially, um, it's something sh- she came to the point where that I agree with, which that it was not an attempt at reconciliation whatsoever. It was a confronting of his demons and it was a, it was a moment of closure for him and and that's how I've always read it it wasn't it wasn't Adam going home to like make nice with these people that had tried to destroy him um it was Adam facing that thing that had hurt him and traumatized him and nearly broken him and telling it like you you don't have any power over me anymore you can't hurt me I'm better than this I don't need you and it's just I can't even really articulate it, well, what it feels then, like to read that for him. Well, then and, when he and, 
he gets to this moment. What he truly wanted was to be left to his own devices, not by his actual father who could no longer truly intrude on Adam's life, but by the idea of his father, a more powerful thing in every way to get to that moment of realization is so incredible to look at his father and realize that, you know, his father, yes, is a dangerous thing, but that wasn't really the source of a lot of Adam's fear. His fear that he would be his at be his father. Yeah, he talks about forgiving past Adam for being concerned that he would turn out like Robert Parrish. <laughs> I can't. And I mean, and this has been a books and books long arc for Adam because even in the beginning of this this back half of the book, there's a line where where Adam thinks he was ever so slowly moving himself out of that trailer. Like even just a few pages ago, he was still reckoning with this, but then by the end he's in a different place and he can confront his parents and, and he thinks about how he set the bar so low and, and they were able just, just high enough for them to be able to clear it. Um, and, and that was all he wanted from them too. And I love the idea of him accepting and taking it's such a power move from adam like things from ronan and gansey in that moment you know we know from opal the ship box still exists it's not uh-huh. like the ship box has like keeled over and died at this point because that was a flex purely it was a flex. A, such a flex from our guy adam uh-huh. parish driving up in that bmw it's incredible and his I, boyfriend's beamer ah, i love it like so robert parish points out yeah oh my god it's so good but then he also at one point what does he say you know, his father says, you know, I don't uh, quite like who you've grown up to be or whatever. And I'm not ashamed to say it. And Adam like thanks him for his honesty. And he like borrows that phrase from Gansey. Uh-huh. And he says it and at, like his dad looks at him kind of like, this is exactly who I was talking about. But I love that he's kind of owning. Yeah. I'm a different guy. I'm, I'm also practice for college. Yeah. And so then that's another thing I do really like. And we've talked and we'll talk about when we get to call on the hawk. But, you know, we at first when I wasn't really thinking about it as much, the idea of Adam kind of taking on this more Gansey like persona when he gets to college, I was like, I didn't like it. I don't like what it means for Adam and Ronan in that moment. Like they don't have like they miss each other as they like cross paths at the quad at Harvard. So I think I was too like blinded by that to be, and it felt jarring because Ronan feels jarred by that only in his POV at that time. But it's, it's so clearly foreshadowed here in the epilogue. He felt a sudden urge to save all those other atoms hidden in plain view, though he didn't know if they would listen to him. It struck him as a Gansey or a blue impulse. And as he held that tiny heroic spark in his mind, he realized that was only because he believed that he had saved himself that he could imagine saving someone else. (laughs) Cringe joining Adam Parrish's crying club. Oh my God, save me Adam from yourself. That's what I mean. Yeah, right. I'm like, I'm rendered speechless by this arc because it, it's just, it really is so good. It's incredible stuff. Okay, let's talk about Ronan and then we'll talk about the big stuff. So, just Great stuff here from Ronan, too. A lot of callbacks to his arc from the Dream Thieves. I love this quote. It hurts my heart, but it's really good. He did not say, I can't stand the idea of finding Gansey's body, too. He did not say, if I can't save my old family, I can save my new one. He did not say, I will not let the demon have everything. He did not say that the only true nightmare was not being able to do something and that this at least was something. He's, like, sitting in the car just ready, like, Gansey, tell me where to go. It's just... It's and so finding his mom. 
it's horrific. And and the way they're in Cabe's water and and they hear Opal and Ronan, of course, doesn't hesitate. He runs to help her. And oh my god, just that scene where she's like up to her, you know, she's elbow deep in blood and viscera, and she just holds her arms out to him. Ronan doesn't even notice that his mom is there. Uh, dead and brutalized all he sees is opal needing him with her arms out and he just he kneels down and he holds her and adam watches that moment and he thinks like it hurts him it hurts him it hurts him to see it oh my god and then adam says his his name around and turns and adam thinks about how he just wishes he could hold him in that moment where they're just looking blocking eyes (laughs) so he doesn't have to see it it's terrible um it's so upsetting him sitting in the car is so upsetting him just like begging like like looking straight ahead i do like that the only time that he doesn't look straight ahead is when adam gets in the car and he just watches adam get into the car but then like Gansy going without him and his thinking of that is so upsetting. But also Ronan, again, his devotion to Gansy is so pure and so wonderful. He willfully goes back into the Cave's water dream space, which is being eaten alive by the demon to dream something to find Gansy. Mm-hmm. So, so good. So pure, but he gets in there and it's a disaster. Cave's water is just, it's under attack and he thinks about how it felt like his nightmares. It was the shame of wanting something you shouldn't. It was the ugly thrill of nearly being dead. It was all of those things all at once. Ronan's nightmares used to be one or two of these things. Only rarely were they all. That was back when they wanted him dead. And then he thinks later to himself, no, Ronan had to admit that even though they made it easier, they being Cal and Mora, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and Adam trying to protect him as he goes through their presence. Wasn't the real difference between his old nightmares and this one. The real difference was that back then the nightmares had wanted him dead. And so had Ronan. The, f- <laughs> the fact that he ha- doesn't feel that way about himself yeah. anymore is, is so good. And he was really there by the end of the dream phase. We know this, you know, mm-hmm. but it's wonderful to see that, that call back here from our boy and yeah like we said his devastation at the end of this book is really Mm -hmm. really sad and that's the hardest part for me too but then i a ronin in the epilogue though yeah it's it's so good it's so good (laughs) i just i love like he he sends them off on this scavenger hunt to find blue's graduation present and once they find it, you know, and it's, it's that first Camaro that he dreamt with Kavinsky, the one without an engine. Because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, it's the greenest energy there is. And Blue is jumping up and down all excited. And Henry snaps a picture of her on his phone. And Gansy thinks that Ronan was going to be sad that he missed this. I love, like, that. that's just a Blue and Ronan moment that isn't a Blue and Ronan moment, really, because he's not there. But it's just... Yeah, and Gansy it's understands. really sweet. He, and he, she's the only one he told about like what it was. Mm-hmm. Gansy's like, I tried so hard to get him to tell us, and she was like, <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. Ronan told me without more details about what I was yeah. doing. Oh my god! I, I, yeah, just good stuff from Ronan. And like, you know, he was so terrified of Gansy leaving him for so long in this book and it, it comes up when Gansy goes off to find Gunnar on his own and Ronan thinks he went without me left without me mm-hmm. um we earlier when they go to DC for the fundraiser and Ronan is like 
you didn't ask me, you know, those fears of him. So to dream a car that will purposely take Yanzi away from him. I mean, he had already dropped the car, but to give it to them. Yeah. It's such a good acceptance of this acknowledgement that they're, they'll be leaving, but they're not leaving him. <laughs> That's so good. Do, before we get into Pinch, do we want to talk briefly about the Bronin stuff here? Because mm-hmm. it's so good. I mean, once again, it, the Bronin moments are few, but they are very rich. That scene where... I think he he admits to having dreamt Cabe's water and Matthew and and Blue is like, what the fuck, man? You could have been <laughs> dreaming up a cure for cancer. And he that th- he says, look, Sergeant, Ronan retorted, I was going to dream you some eye cream last night since cl- clearly modern medicine's doing jack shit for you, but I nearly had my ass handed to me by a death snake from the fourth circle of dream hell. So you're welcome. Blue looked appropriately touched. Aw, thanks, man. No problem, bro. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, They're later, so fucking cute. They're so cute. Like later they walk into the kitchen before the conversation that Adam and uh Kansy have and they like are jostling each other by the hip mm-hmm. as they're like trying to fight their way into the kitchen. It's so cute. Yeah. This is Ronan jogged on ahead of her, jostling her intentionally with his hip. You asshole, she said, and he laughed merrily. It's just <laughs> they are so cute. I just I love you know, them. it's a great, a great friendship moment. I love them so much. And like I said, yeah, too, when Blue is watching him in that car is really sad and mm-hmm. upsetting. Oh, poor Ronan. Poor Ronan. I mean, the fact that he can overcome all that in this book, I mean, we won't see a ton mm-hmm. of it, but he still and manages to. another thing to- we, we should hit before we get into Pinch, which is going to effectively wreck the rest of this episode, mm-hmm. um, is uh, Ronan and Declan stuff. Yes. Yes. So they finally come to... Uh, a mutual understanding but man that roof scene that roof scene is a great <laughs> it's a great chapter wow well at first it comes on this the heels of this quote from adam which i love this mm-hmm. is adam's pov and he is looking at the three brothers the brothers lunch as i have put in my notes adam could not quite believe it he didn't know if he'd ever seen ronan and declan in the same space together without a fight but it was true that these were the brothers as he hadn't seen them before declan relieved and exhausted ronan intense and powerful with purpose and joy matthew unchanging and ebullient like the happy dream that he was. I love that moment of stasis and calm and the happiest version of the three of them as a collective we can get. It's really nice. And it's, yes, it's, I'm sure has a lot to do with from Declan's perspective that kind of the cat's out of the bag and the the truth has been shared, but he knows that he's at least going to get one of them out safe. And they've just, even if things don't work out, they've cleared the air somewhat and have come to a bit of an understanding, which is wonderful. And then we get the roof scene. Yeah. And it's also Declan's feeling better about everything being out or whatever, but um, between them about their father, but it's also Ronan realizing so much about Declan, about everything that he's been doing to protect him. And so Ronan isn't so prickly toward him anymore. And just the roof scene where Declan calls Ronan bro, it hurts. <laughs> the DC orb master, when he's he shows Declan like the, the little glowing lights that he's dreamt and just seeing that like desire in, in Declan's face, like it is just yeah. It says orbs gasped into the air for a moment. He saw how his brother was caught inside them, watching them soar furiously around his face. Each good son, 
firing gold and white. And when he saw the spacious longing in Declan's face, he realized how much Declan had missed by growing up neither dreamer nor dreamt. This had never been his home. The Lynches had never tried to make it Declan's home. It's so good. And then before that too, uh, uh, Ronan thinks about how one of the orbs is like, you know, being drawn to Declan and says it wants to go with you. We've talked before about how Ronan's dream things want what Ronan wants. Mm-hmm. They're personified era. They are him in the world. And at some they level, love what he loves. Yeah. He wants to go with Declan. Uh, he wants to be with his brothers. And, you know, they they climb down from the roof of that in that moment and they things are different. But that's okay. And they have everyone has that realization. It's just it's a great chapter. You know, we'll we'll talk a lot about Call Down the Hawk, uh, the in Call Down the Hawk, you know, the relationship between the Lynch brothers. And it's really what makes that series so good. There's so much there to deal with. I'm gonna need to sedate Tasia a little bit, <laughs> probably. But I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about more of that stuff because those are some of the most touching moments of of this book in this chapter in particular is is just so good at the end of the line. I love that Maggie's tweeted before too. Like I love she says something about like I love showing a character from only one character's POV and you think about them one way and then that's never what they've been like all along. Mm-hmm. And I think it's done so masterfully here. Yeah. You look back then at every single thing Declan has done. And yeah, like he's he's dealing with Ronan. Like Ronan is an asshole. You have to meet Ronan's assholeness with also being an asshole. Like there's no other right. way. For, there was no other way for him to to deal with him at that time. And you just realize then, oh, that was all to keep him safe. It's just, wow, it's really good. It's really good. All right. <laughs> Buckle up. It's time. It to is time. Uh, sorry to Melissa, who was here last week, for cutting her off right before this big chapter. Yeah, that was kind of a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Well, and I think we also said last week, oh, yeah, because we wanted to start off with a bang. And the next episode, uh, no, we're like an hour in and we haven't talked about it yet. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I don't know. Should we just like read some quotes here? Maybe. Yeah, let's just get into it. Oh, chapter is it? I didn't even copy this into my notes because I'm like, I know I'm just gonna have to pull up the chapter and just read straight into the into the. Okay, well, first, <laughs> yeah. So, so, but first, we get uh, before this kiss. This chapter, by the way, is incredible from Adam's POV. Wandering the barns. The barns had a strange effect on Adam. He had not known how to diagnose this feeling the first few times he had visited because he had not truly believed in the two things that the barns had was made of, magic and love. Now he had at least a passing acquaintance with both of those things and it affected him in a different way. Blah, 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 blah. Now he thought about how if he wanted it, he could one day live in a place like this. He did not quite understand what had changed. So, you know, he and he thinks at one point too that you know how barn the barns and Ronan are are the same, and to love one is to love the other, and it's just and he does love the barns before they even kiss, before Adam openly recognizes his own feelings for Ronan. He thinks very often about how much he loves the barns, and then later equates the two together, like there was no difference between the barns and Ronan. So he's already there. He is there. Oh wait, we didn't talk about this. This is, I guess. Adam specific, but we'll, we'll stop about this chapter. So mm-hmm. when he starts wandering the house to, <laughs> so he's going to find like tinfoil or like cellophane or something, 
like mm-hmm. plastic wrap and Ronan like go look in Matthew's room because of course that's where like scatterbrain Matthew Lynch would potentially keep that. So he's upstairs and he's wandering around and he sees this photo of Aurora and, and Niall and it, he thinks uh, this ferocious wild father, this happy wild this wild happy mother something inside adam hurt he didn't understand anything and then he finds ronan's room he felt drunk everything in this house felt so certain of its identity so sure of its place so certain it was wanted i mean like you're just like in love bro that's what Mm -hmm. this drunkenness is you were just like overwhelmed by it it's so good but then (sighs) he gets caught in that memory that vile robert parrish I regret yeah. the moment I squirted him into you. Like it, I, I have some of those, like not that memory specifically, obviously, but I have some memories like that where your your brain kind of skirts the edges of them, but then you're stuck in it and you have, you have to just kind of sit through and live it again to get it past you. Otherwise you, you're going to be riding the edge of that memory for days. Yeah. And it's just so, it's so fucking vile. Robert Parrish is a massive piece of shit. Like Adam was, a little kid and like imagine hearing that as a child and knowing that that's how your parents felt about you yeah yeah it's it's so horrible it's so upsetting but again adam's growth is demonstrated here mm-hmm. in the old days maybe even a few months before adam would have recalled that memory again and again it playing on a miserable obsessive loop in his head once he had given in he wouldn't have known how to stop but now at least he could merely feel it sting once and then put it away for some other day he was ever so slowly moving himself out of that trailer so big big growth big realization and then <laughs> uh, ronan let out of ronan comes in ronan let out a breath put the model down on the bed beside him and kissed adam <sighs> i guess we can just jump ahead to our own superlative section here we each have a different kiss paragraph as our yeah. swoon our favorite swoon here uh mine is this one i'll just read it now once when Adam had still lived in the trailer park, he had been pushing the lawnmower around the scraggly side yard when he realized that it was raining a mile away. He could smell it, the earthy scent of rain on dirt, but also the electric restless smell of ozone. And he could see it, a hazy gray sheet of water blocking his view of the mountains. He could track the line of rain traveling across the vast dry fields toward him. It was heavy and dark, and he knew he would get drenched if he stayed outside. It was coming from so far away that he had plenty of time to put the mower away and get undercover. Instead, though, he just stood there and watched it approach. Even at the last minute, as he heard the rain pounding the grass flat. He just stood there. He closed his eyes and let the storm soak him. That was this kiss. They kissed again. Adam felt it in more than his lips. I just, I love that paragraph in particular because it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The imagery of it, the willingness for Adam, who has been so much about control and his ability to shape his own life, to willingly concede some of that for this this storm imagery this this thing that is it's not necessarily safe it's scary and he just stands there and he revels in it anyway mm. and it's like a cleansing like because all all rain in in media is is like a metaphor for mm-hmm. a, a rebirthing a cleansing moment and that mm-hmm. is what ronan is in that moment especially c- coming on the heels of this disgusting horrible vile memory of of his past and yep. Ronan comes to wash it all away and, and to give Adam <laughs> new life. Ah! It's really something. Ah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. So that happens. <laughs> <laughs> K- 
Okay. So, so <laughs> then a little bit, but before we get into the next kiss, which is where my swoon memory is, or my, my swoon moment is, I don't know why I said memory. Um, <laughs> it's because it's embedded so, on my um, memory. It's branded onto place. my brain. Um, <laughs> just Ronan, like before Declan comes up on the roof and Ronan is up there and he thinks Ronan had, Ronan felt he had caught happiness without meaning to. And it's just... Like he goes up to the roof because that's as high as he can get without flying. Like he just, ah, uh, yeah, it's uh, very pure. It's very wholesome. I love it very, very much. It's so good. And then I think after the kiss is when they have uh, the revelation that Vernon jumped caves water. I love this from Gansey sitting and watching them. It's Vernon Gansey's POV at this point. And Adam's like, oh, you have to tell them. And Ron's like, I don't want to tell them. And Gansey's like, oh, God, here it goes. Here it comes, gonna- yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Ronan retorted, you didn't handle the revelation well. In his hurt tone, Gansey thought that he suddenly understood something about Ronan. I had other things going on, Adam replied, that made it a little hard to take on. Gansey definitely felt like he understood something about Ronan. Love this moment of understanding for our Gansey boy here. He's just like, mm-hmm. what is happening amongst <laughs> my friends? And then we do have this great moment. We already kind of talked about uh, when we talked about the dream thieves and the fight with Adam and Blue about her kissing him and why he comes to Gansey in that moment to talk with him about it. It's really good stuff. We got this uh, email from listener Joy, a friend of the pod Joy, who who sent this after the the dream thieves and i said i would read it here now she said i really liked how you guys connected the times in which adam tried to kiss blue to his first kiss with ronan and the raven king and i definitely appreciated and agree with your take on how in his internalized response to the kiss demonstrates so much growth but your discussion of how adam would most reach out to blue when his feelings of self-worth were at their lowest made me think of the moments leading up to this first kiss with ronan that heartbreaking memory triggered by the dream car when his father said he regretted squirting him into his mom so so horrible and he realized that in the past he would obsessively think about that moment, not be able to let it go. And now he will let it sting, but be able to put it aside, not only showing so much growth, but like self knowledge and appreciation of how far he's come in that moment that Ronan comes in. They, and they kiss. I've never made that connection before, but it makes it even more perfect. Like for this kiss, it's not an attempt to feel better about himself. He is already feeling more at peace. And maybe that's why Ronan finally makes his move. I like that. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's a great realization. And then, though, that leads into why he goes to Gansey. Right. To talk with him about parsing it's through the so feelings. Much gro- so much growth for Adam here, wanting to be absolutely 100% sure that he's not doing this to to play with Ronan. He knows that Ronan is a lot more sensitive than he comes across. And I love that, too, because Gansey knows this. And I love Gansey's first response to this, which is, don't break him, Adam. And Gansey says this not because he thinks that Adam's a douchebag, but because he knows that Adam has, he can be cold and Adam can be hurtful without really even knowing that he's being hurtful. And I love that Gansey has no other reaction to this except for, I just want to make sure my friends are okay. Yeah. (laughs) So good. And then, so I love, you know, I have certain lines in the series. I don't know why. You can't explain why certain lines stick to you but then after uh gansey and blue leave the barns and adam's standing out on the porch and ronan goes out onto the porch and he's staring at Adam. ronan yeah. thinks that he'd already asked the question can that also give the answer i mm-hmm. love that <laughs> i do too it's 
so good. But eventually he just breaks down. He's just like Adam. Yeah. And I love that too, because Ronan calling Adam, Adam instead of Parrish or something else. It's the same as Gansey calling blue, blue, or Ronan calling blue, blue instead of maggot or sergeant. It is a mo. It has weight to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, should we get some more kissing? Do it now? Go yeah. it. This is so- Tasia's favorite <laughs> When Adam kissed him, it was every mile per hour Ronan had ever gone over the speed limit. It was every window down, goosebumps on skin, teeth chattering, cold night drive. It was Adam's ribs under Ronan's hands and Adam's mouth on his mouth again and again and again. It was stubble on lips and Ronan having to stop to get his breath to restart his heart. They were both hungry animals, but Adam had been starving for longer. This is just like, it's a goosebumps line. It is just that first when Adam kissed him, it was every mile per hour Ronan had ever gone over the speed limit. It is just, it's so evocative. It's so beautiful. It's so Ronan Lynch. I, I could not love it more. Yeah. I don't really know what to say about it. And then then they go immediately to the couch where they sprawled on the living room sofa and Adam studied the tattoo that covered Ronan's back, all the sharp edges that hooked wondrously and fearfully into each other. And they say inguibus et rostro, which means claws and and beak. And it's... Ronan puts Adam's fingers in his mouth. And it is exactly like that, that dream he had in the Dream Thieves in reverse, right? Because it was... It started off as Adam ended up as Kavinsky and it ended up being a Kavinsky consuming him and 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 now it's it's something else entirely. And I just love it. It ends the same way. He's never sleeping mm-hmm. again. It's, yes. It's so except without the uh the shame this time. Yep. Nope. And then uh I think it's kind of pure that Adam wakes up in Declan's bed. It is very wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> like they just make out a little bit and then they just go to their separate rooms. It's yeah, no, uh, I, they we know in <laughs> canon that other things happen in the yeah. future, but we're not there yet um, in their relationship. And I like when they they wake up in the ne- the next day, and I I love this. So Adam starts wandering the barns the next morning, and. He he thinks to himself, what was he doing? Ronan was not something to be played with. He didn't think he was playing. You're leaving the state, he told himself. But he hadn't felt that fire on his heels for a long time. There was no longer the understood second half of that statement and never coming back. I love that realization for him. And then I also love, too, a nice mirror image for that is when Ronan is in Cabe's water trying to dream the Gansey tracker. And there's a dream Adam there who's like, I'm leaving. Why would I ever stay for you? And Ronan... And that scene is showing a lot of growth and fighting off all of those nightmares. But mm-hmm. he says, I'm not asking him to say Ronan thought only to come back. <laughs> you love to see it. You love because Ronan, Ronan is not trying to hold Adam back. And he's not even once thinking that. And, and we'll get into this more with Opal because there's uh, like a, a subplot about this. But Ronan is not interested in Adam being anything but Adam. He wants him to go and he wants him to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. He just wants him to, you know, think of Ronan every now and then too. Yeah. So, okay, we get these kisses, which are great. But then, I mean, those are like obviously just objectively swoony. Kissing is always swoony. But then the mutual agony they both feel as they are being like possessed slash unmade by the demon mm-hmm. is really well, yeah. my, my, my favorite part. Adam Adam being possessed by the demon and attacking Ronan and just being devastated by it. Like, stop me, hit me, knock me down. And Ronan thinking, 
but this is Adam. Like he, if the choice was death or hurting Adam Parrish, it was not a choice at all. Like fuck me up. Like <laughs> what the hell? Like are Adam, you? Her Rona's just like guess me. I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like it's fine. Oh my god. Like I can't. <laughs> he's just like no. This is this is cool. And then he's like freaking out. It's gonna break his fucking hands. It's like okay, we, Ronan. Mm-hmm. We know you're not on Adam's hands, but like he's so upset at that point. Um, I'm going to save my other favorite soon moment that I have written down, which also we need to have something scene. to say during. Yeah, this. but so I love that. And then Adam, oh my god, like Adam being tied up in the back seat of the of the pig, hearing hearing. Oh my god, Ronan being unmade, not knowing what it is, what it was, you know. And he thinks to himself too. He's like, I was just like making out with Ronan a few hours ago. Like, what is happening here? I love this subtle moment too. He could not decide if this was the worst thing that had happened to him or if it felt that way because he'd been so recently and senselessly happy that the comparison was making it so. Recently and senselessly happy, Tasia. I know. Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. So then he he goes into Kate's water, has that moment with Persephone, which we talked about, and then he wakes back up. It was impossible to believe that Adam had thought that previous moment was the worst. This was the worst, being blindfolded and tied in the back of a car and knowing that the soft gasping sound was Ronan Lynch choking for breath every time he waded back to consciousness. So much of Ronan was bravado and there was none left and Adam was nothing but a weapon to kill him faster. This is why I, I cannot write notes about the end of this book. Like it is, I, I can only just listen to that and like weep, but that's it. I, I have no other yeah. well, brain function. What I also have to, and I meant to mention it earlier, is like what Ronan is fighting during that. He's trying to bring things back from his dream, grasping to light, bring himself back to reality. And so he keeps bringing dream things. And the things he brings makes me want to cry too, because so he brings I- like <laughs> mint leaves. Something starry that reminds, like, obviously, is blue. I have the whole chapter marked here, like, bookmarked, because I just read that and I wanted to type the entire thing, but um, I'll read parts of it. The demon kept pulling him unconscious, and in those short bursts of blackness, the dreamer snatched at light, and when he swam back to consciousness, he thrust the dream into reality. He shaped them into flapping creatures and earthbound stars and flaming crowns and golden notes that sang by themselves and mint leaves scattered across the blood-streaked pavement and scraps of paper with jagged handwriting on them and Guibus at Rostro. I literally just sat in my bed and cried after reading that chapter last night. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And it, it goes back again and again to the, the thing about Ronan that he loved to dream about light. And he's all of these things are his friends, these people that he loves so much, and he's dreaming things for them. Like he's, oh, I can't. <laughs> yep, yep, it's great. It's really good. So we don't like get a ton more Ronan and Adam after that. I mean, things are going to shit. We already talked though about obviously they're still very much a thing. He's driving the BMW. Back to the trailer park at the end that Ronan thinks in his end chapter about, you know, how Adam always says that Opal reminds him of Ronan. And it's very clear that they're getting mm-hmm. very comfy at the barns together because Adam is driving from Springer Falls. He's driving from the barns back to his yeah. parents. He's not at St. Agnes at that point. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is already this is months and months after the events. Like this epilogue takes place the summer after the fall that all of this goes down. So they have been presumably together this entire time because we know that there is no such thing as half measures with uh, Ronan and Lynch. And that's why Adam has to go and make sure that he feels the way he feels because 
once he signs himself up for that, there, I mean, that's it. And we got more Adam and ahead of us. <laughs> Continue to be unhinged about it. I'm very right. excited. Uh, well, before we get to some of our smaller characters, here, we got to talk about Noah because oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck me up too. Uh, everything mm-hmm. with Noah. So I'll, I'll never forget where I was when I was reading Call Down the Hawk. It was also on a plane. I was on a trip and I was in the cab coming home from the airport and was texting with Tasia because I'd been reading like on the plane airplane mode. And I was like, in Call Down the Hawk at the beginning, like Ronan's thinking about his friends and he only thinks about Adam and Blue and Gansey. I was like, uh, what the hell? Like, why didn't he think about Noah? And you're like, because they can't remember Noah. And I like remember sitting in that cab and being like, you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> right now. Because my Noah thoughts are very well documented here. He's such a thin, bare presence in this back half of the book. We barely see him at all, but we do get one chapter. It's the last chapter, I believe, that starts with, depending on where you start the story, this is a story about Noah Cherney. And it's very complicated, the idea to wrap your head around what happens to Noah. We mm-hmm. want to talk about that here. So Noah, rather than experiencing time linearly, has been circling through time, which we've talked about. And he's doing it repeatedly. And the way I kind of visualize it is like he's just on this circle and he can see moments that he's lived before and he can kind of like jump out of the loop and get there. So Mm -hmm. he's kept doing this over and over and over again. And every time he sees that moment where Gansey is dying on the ley line, he's stops to try to tell him that again because he knows that has to stick he knows he has to get that to be the last thing because that is the last thing because he has to get that to stick and he slides from time after that all their memories of him are gone their minds have rewritten those scenes and i found a great quote on a tumblr page i don't know if it's true but it was like ruminations from maggie on what ghosts, what purpose they serve in this story, which I thought was really interesting. She apparently said when she used to have a Tumblr, rule one of being a spirit in the Raven Cycle universe, it isn't about me, baby, it's about you. I have a pair of sunglasses that are so reflective that even though I'm the one wearing them on my face, when someone looks at me, all they see is themselves. They're not about me, baby, they're about you. Likewise, a ghost in the Raven Cycle universe is defined first and foremost by the seer. Recall, if you will, the first time Blue sees the spirit of Gansey stumbling along the ley line, because at some point in the future, the author has done terrible things to him. Blue doesn't even see human features on, features on his face, she realizes. Her brain is telling her that there is a boy in front of her, but there really could be anything or nothing at all. Likewise, when they discover that Noah is dead, they more often see both his living Noah form, not real, and his busted up dead body form, totes real. Their mind know the truth and project both into the space in front of them. Noah didn't change their mindset. There's some essential truth of Noah, but it's sort of negotiable. So this theory then, how it was explained to me in this Tumblr post, made a lot of sense that every time they see Noah, he is reflecting some internal thought process of themselves to them. And that's why we get moments where they think that like Noah is, is reading their minds, but really they're like projecting conversations that they're having with themselves onto Noah. So Noah is way more connected to any of them versus his own independent being. And that's why it's so easy for their, their brains after the fact to just kind of rewrite and he's Mm -hmm. gone when you sent me that post it blew my fucking mind i am still trying to grapple with i mean it feels 
so right. Like it feels so true and also just so fucking sad. So like, what was one of the examples? Like, uh, so when Noah tells blue that she could kiss him, it's not Noah asking blue, it's blue wanting to kiss and the ghost to reflect this wish slash urge. So, you know, again, he's reflecting her wish to kiss someone without consequences So when they're in the dollar store and, you know, Ronan appears far more kinder through Noah's eyes, you know, we know that Ronan isn't the tough guy that he wants everyone to see. So when Noah goes and admires the glitter snow globe, couldn't it be more like Ronan liking this thing? Ronan likes this small, fragile, hilarious thing, but wouldn't say that out loud. So Noah does. And you'd think that Noah likes this, but it's just a ghost reflecting Noah again. And when Noah tells him, I know why you're angry, but I won't tell you again, that's just Ronan coming to terms with again mm-hmm. his sexuality in that moment so and it's also like uh the way ronan always thinks like oh he told this kind of joke for noah and it's really because he it's something that he finds funny right and therefore it, in ronan's company ronan will or i mean in noah's company noah will find it funny because noah is just finding whatever ronan finds funny yeah It does. So this theory ends, though, talking about how the scene where Ronan writes on the car, remembered, remembered, remembered. It's really sad because at the time, you know, you you think they're thinking about Noah, but the author of this post has suggested that that's actually him talking about Niall. He's thinking about his dad a lot in those early books. So I, it makes sense to me. It's, it's a very short chapter to explain a lot of that, but I, I think it's really well done. And it makes me really sad because Noah is a good boy. Mm-hmm. He stayed, he held on for so long to tell them that. And if- I mean, at the end, he's literally just there to like lead Gansey upstairs to Gwendolyn. And like he has to make sure these things happen in the sequence they're supposed to happen so that he can finally let go. Yeah. I mean, he's- and I just have to hope that Noah's, Noah's living his best, best yeah. on life now. Yeah. Like every moment that he does appear in this back half it really makes me sad. He's like in the car with Ronan. Mm-hmm. He's and he's standing by the side of the car with all of them. He doesn't really speak to any of them. Yeah, in I was this gonna say half. he never really talks. It's very upsetting. <laughs> okay. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about some of our like last minute or, or the other characters here. Mr. Gray, please be okay, Mr. Gray. We okay. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I've only read it one time because I'm avoiding it, but Calls on the Hawk. We do get a Mr. Ray reference. Like, he's still, yeah. like, in the picture. They contact him at some point. Whether or not he's back in Henrietta, we don't know at that point, because he, by killing Lamonnier, he has basically been like, I, I'm going to make the this world, this dream under belly of magic world a better place, but I'm going to have to Which is why leave. I have, yeah, I have to imagine that he's going to play more of a part in Calls on the Hawk in the future just because he's so a part of uh, the restructuring of this magical world now. So yeah. we'll see. Um, we don't know, but we'll see. That I, scene, though. <laughs> that scene, <laughs> it's so good. It, I love this, too, when they go to the barns to try to find, they know, like, something bad is happening. That's when he kills Lamonier, but they're going out there, and he thinks, but it was precisely because he had killed Niall that he now felt responsibility and guilt howling in the corridors of his heart. He was his own man now, and his and in his position as someone else's tool, he had left Ronan in the barns without a protector. I love, I love that. And then the end of that this, chapter, he was a king. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, some people might be like, how dare you like Sully Gansey's name by like equating him to Mr. Gray. I love Mr. Gray is my favorite secondary character in these books. Hands Mm -hmm. down. He's so fascinating to me. He his the parallels that he has to Gansey. I really, really like and I love everything that he does. Yeah, it it hurts me. This line where um, he's making that decision to shoot Lomonier in in the barns and he thinks he wanted to stay so badly in this place where he had begun to put violence down in the place where he learned how to feel again in this place that he loved. Can't. He's he's such a good boy. He's such a good boy. I love too then and this is me lead in talking about Henry uh, (laughs) kidnapping Henry. It's high comedy to me because you don't, re- it's, it is scary at first, but then when you read it again and you know that it's Mr. Gray, you're like, okay, Henry's going to be fine. But Henry doesn't know it. So you feel bad for him in that moment. But again, like Henry is in his boxers and his Madonna t-shirt being kidnapped. And eventually, so we have to assume like what Roboby gets a hold of Gansey and Gansey yeah. calls Mr. Gray. <laughs> and Mr. Gray says something like, oh, yes, I, I have kidnapped in the past and I do currently have a high school student in my car. Would you like to speak to him? <laughs> and gets just like, I see you've met Mr. Gray. And then they go to the supermarket. Mr. Gray's got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> yeah. They go into the supermarket and it's very nice because Mr. Gray's like, I brought you here because there's a lot of cameras and I thought you would feel safe. And Henry's like, thank you. Like you were just doing your mm-hmm. job. I was doing my job. All, all is fine. But he says to Blue something like, Sergeant, don't tell me you're messed up in this. And she's just like, oh yeah, he, he's kind of dating my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but then like him stalling Lamontier to get Henry out because he knows they're yeah. going to come for him is just great stuff. The side hug with blue and he like leans over and looks at her stitches and she's like, these are neatly done. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, he, they probably won't scar. And she's like, damn it. <laughs> I just, everything. The Mr. blue blue and Mr. Gray stuff. It, it kills me. He well, is there for five minutes in her life so far and is already such yeah. a dad to her. And then when he leaves town, he like kisses Mora and then, and then hugs Blue. Like Blue is the last like Henrietta moment for him. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and then Henry, you know, I, we kind of talked about this earlier. I want more Henry generally across the board to get to the point where I feel satisfied with mm-hmm. him being in this back half of the book. However, I love him in the back half of this book. Every, nothing about it feels particularly intrusive as you're reading it. I mm-hmm. love when these they're in the cave and they are about to or in the tomb and he's like standing back politely because this is not his his journey. This is not his quest. I yeah. love him overcoming his fear to bring them all in to the the cave and the tomb with Gansey. He said, I need to bring you your court. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love him begging them at the end to try to figure something yeah. out to bring Gansey back. I was going to say that because everybody is they're they're kind of wrapped up in their own grief right now. And Henry as kind of annoying as he is in that moment, because he's like, Hey, come on, let's do, ah," you know, and they're all just trying to sit with their grief for a second, but he is the one that pushes them to think of some other option, something, something like Surely you can do something. And you know, that their little minute of repeating time was running out. Yeah. That, that was one thing I, I had not realized that the, the the time stopping, which they kind of, they talked about and they're like, okay, if, if we can get time to stop, maybe we can bring you back in that time. And then they realized that's not really going to work. And if they're not in caves water, they thought that they were going to try to do that in caves water. And so all the, they're all kind of panicking. It's very important that he's there. And he's like, magic, like you guys can yeah. do magic, like do it. 
Uh, so I, I, I do really like him in this, in this back half of the book. I, I'm very, I would love to be flying the wall of the engineless pig going on that road trip with them. Cause I'm sure it's going to be like very fun and great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I texted you in all caps, like how knowing how this book ends, why am I so freaked out when Henry gives Gansey his album sweater? Cause we know it's so because we know it's every time i read it i'm like don't take the jacket i know like that matters but yeah that's really i think all i had on like a lot of the side characters except i just have to give a shout out to my girl opal who i love i love the imagery and mr gray thinking when they first walk into the barns and ronan's dreaming and adam's crying and opal's like holding still then they like pull Ronan and Adam out and uh, Opal starts moving without any sluggishness. And he like is freaked out to think that she probably was just standing completely and perfectly still when they came in. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. I love when after they like finally tie Adam's hands. Oh, I was just going to say that. Uh, and she yeah. gives him the watch back and he, he kisses, she kisses his, his arm. arm. Opal. Ronan stream things love what Ronan loves. It's mm-hmm. very, cl- it's very clear. That Imagine moment. being Ronan though, and like trying to keep it on like the DL or trying to be cool about something, but you've got this dream thing running around, like just being absolutely in love with your crush. Oh and you're like, fucking chill, please. <laughs> well, you're giving the you, game away. <laughs> Adam like positions himself in the car. So he's the furthest away from Opal because the demon mm-hmm. wants to unmake the dream theme. So he's got blue in between them. Um, We also didn't talk about that. It's a very subtle moment, but I love blue, like resting her head on Adam's shoulder. And like, I think she like touches like his, hair. his hair. Yeah. It's such a lovely moment for them at the end of this really tumultuous road that they'd kind of been on together. Blue showing her that she de- desires comfort and the physical touch and giving that to him in that moment is, is really nice. Um, so yeah, but to all there to protect, to protect Opal who God, I love her. <sighs> any other big things that's i mean like i said i had a, the hardest time writing notes at all so that's well, that's all know, i got as we talked about last week this book is so much more plotty right so we're not like there's not as much to talk about theme wise growth wise they're all there at this point it's really just talking about what we love so this is just a two-hour gush fest hope mm-hmm. you all enjoyed it because it's it's all so well done let's talk about uh some superlatives then favorite quote from this book i have several written down yeah me too go ahead the, uh switch um, off yeah let's switch off <laughs> um i already said this one which was the head is two eyes the heart is all fire but i'm gonna say this one this is from henry they're driving in the fisker gansey's driving they're following the ravens to meet see glendower and he like turns really fast and henry has to like hang on the side of the car <laughs> henry just goes yay also woo <laughs> love that i just love henry tossing him the keys too he's like wait no you drive this car scares the piss out of me (laughs) so good your turn (laughs) all right so this is adam he knew that of all the options in the world ronan lynch was the most difficult version of any of them he knew that ronan was not a thing to be experimented with he knew his mouth still felt warm he knew he had started this his entire time at agland be certain that he all he wanted to do was get as far away from the state and everything in it as possible. He was pretty sure he had just been Ronan's first kiss. Me. Again, <laughs> Adam Parrish, who are you kissing before Ronan? A lot of questions. About Adam's got so much game. I would so, not doubt if his last high school was just, yeah. Yeah. Good for you, Adam. 
well, let's call this the Piper Green Mantle Appreciation section because I see you both have a couple of Piper quotes written down. I like this one when she's selling the demon. It made me a house and these pumps. What could it do for you? Stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a couple of her. She's such a fucking icon. All right. Uh, let it be thus or whatever. Classic Multiple Piper times. Green Mantle. Okay. Yeah. Let it be thus or whatever. Um, also... Now that I am single, I intend to move independently into the business of luxury and magical items, curating only the most extraordinary and otherworldly of crazy shit. <laughs> R.I.P. Piper Green Mantle killed by her father. But yeah. I mean, girl, you messing, you messing with a demon. There was no other way this was going to end. I'm going to miss you. You're mm-hmm. a real one, Piper yeah. Green Mantle. <laughs> so this, is, and this quote, it really speaks to me. It is a beautiful Gansey moment and also expresses how much I love books and stories. He was a book and he was holding his final pages and he wanted to get to the end to find out how it went. And he didn't want it to be over. Yeah. We both just sat here. Like, stared I mean, from it. I you... mean, <laughs> in a nutshell, reading in a nutshell, yeah. it's, it's perfect. It's exactly what he's feeling at that, at that time, him struggling with wanting this quest to be over, but also not wanting what he knows is coming to happen and not wanting to, I just, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. And a stand in for the audience, like an yep. audience proxy in there in that moment. Oh my God. So good. I love this yeah. quote too. I almost wrote it down, but you wrote it down first. So I'll let you say it. it's <laughs> quite a mood. It's, this is, this is the biggest mood ever. Um, not today. Artemis said, no, thank you. Too many events this decade, perhaps later. Cannot do the shock. Thank you for your time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Squintlian's like chasing him down. <laughs> He's, I think he's he's a useless lump, but he is a he's a, a useless mood. lump. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is hard. Actually, it's not hard. Favorite character and favorite character arc. We're gonna do this book in series. Uh, this book for me, both of them is Gansy. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. no other choice. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Love him. So I'm gonna do series arc and parish. No doubt in my mind. Adam Parrish's Same. arc in the series is incredible. We've talked about it at length. Even if you have struggled with him in the beginning, didn't struggle with him in the beginning, really connect with him, there's no doubt that the epilogue is the most chef's kiss perfect conclusion to a character arc maybe I've ever seen. It's yeah. so good, so satisfying, and I love it a lot. Adam there's Parrish. no argument against that. It's, no. It's, I mean, um, it's so it's it's Scansy series as we've talked about, but Adam is such a big part of it too in so many ways. And his growth is just really, truly incredible. We love to see it. Character, you go first because I know who yours is going to be in them. I'm still it's waiting. Ronan. It's Ronan and Lynch. My baby boy. He's such a good boy. I just um, love him so much. He's He wears his heart on his sleeve and he's full of rage and I just, I love him so much. Yes. I... <sighs> It feels weird for me. So we've talked a lot about we are pinch trash. Pinch is like my OTP. I think about them all the time. They live in my Mm -hmm. brain rent-free. I would be so rich if I charged them. I think about (laughs) them all the time. And yet, I love them as a collective most of... I mean, I love them both individually, obviously, but I love them as a collective. It's very... They're very important to me as a collective. But I think my favorite character of the series is Gansey because... There is so, we talked about it like so many ways that a character like him could go and I would not find him appealing in any way, shape or form, Mm -hmm. but because of how masterfully he is written, how endearing he is, he's, he's king and he's incredible. 
and I adore him. And it's a series at the end of the day, and it's worth every single minute. The fact that I still cry my eyes out when he dies, knowing he's going to come back. The fact that I have fear when Henry gives him that sweater at the end is just an indication of how incredibly well-written he is that I still feel that way, even though I know it's going to happen. It's, Mm -hmm. it's incredible to me. So great. Well said. Wonderful. Okay. We talked about our favorite swoon moments already. The kissing, both kisses, different versions of them. It makes sense that you like the Ronan version of it. And I like the Adam version of it though. Yeah. That that tracks hundred percent with Mm -hmm. who we are as people. Uh, But this moment really speaks to me. After the demon has Adam's hand or Adam's hands and eyes, and they finally get him under control, and he like slumps against Ronan, and Ronan's holding him from behind, and he whispers, I think it's from the Neid, is this Latin quote. I'm not even gonna attempt to say it in Latin, but it roughly translates to like maybe someday we'll look back at this and laugh. Ronan said into Adam's hearing ear, and Adam's body sagged against Ronan, chest heaving, his hands still jerked and strained to violence. He gasped, you asshole, but Ronan could hear how near tears he was. Again, the emotion in that moment of Ronan just, like, refusing to fight Adam and comforting Adam then in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, Ronan it's almost died. Years. It's too much. And then, like, later in that scene, Adam's only standing upright because Ronan is, like, holding him up and, like, won't let mm-hmm. him go. Too much. <laughs> Too much. And then Adam, like, desperately trying to free himself from the restraints when Ronan's being unmade, like, in the front seat in front of him. Mm-mm. Yeah, not being able to see or, or or do anything about it. You can only listen to this person that you love dying. It's incredible. Tasia, <laughs> we talked about the whole frame cycle. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> I, I like to think that we did hold it together. We gotten to some real nitty-gritty discussions here about what the characters mean to us and why they're so incredibly well written again this episode i feel like is just us gushing more than we normally would but it's because it's just been such it's so worthwhile and it's the such a good conclusion to the journey i wish we had five books i would love another book in the middle here with these characters but i'm so satisfied with what we have and, I'd be happy um, with just a few more short stories like to fill in that. Yeah, that would be great. And I guess that's a good segue to set up what we're going to talk about next week. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a break for us, which is nice because it's less reading material. But next week, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the ancillary materials to the Raven Cycle before we get to call down the hawk. So next week, we'll be talking about the Opal Novella, which is in the back of most copies of the Raven King these days. Or you can just find it it's on, also on Amazon, a couple yeah. books couple bucks like 99 cents i think yeah so it's uh short and then there's also some short stories that maggie has written and published on her website over the years um what's it called there's one called a very merry or a very declan christmas um she used to write a christmas story that took place within the raven cycle universe every year or about about every year so there's like a there's the Declan one, there's a Gansey one, and there's a Foxway one. So we're going to read those three. We're going to read Opal, and then that's going to be next week's content. And then just after that, call on the hawk, and damn, what will we do? I don't. We we still have uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, listener. We have no idea what the fuck we're doing after this. No, because we we'll can't even think about it. Like We have no. one track mind, and this is always on our mind, and this was the impetus for the podcast. So like everyone, mm-hmm. everyone in this book, we're like, I don't want it to end. Shit, what are we going to do when it ends? It us. Yeah. But we'll, we'll figure it out. If you have any suggestions, you can shoot us an email 
at fthpod at gmail.com. If there's anything you would be interested in us reading going forward, we would love suggestions because like I said, we have some ideas about things we want to cover, but we're very open. We have an ongoing list and we would love to add more to it. Yeah. So any suggestions you have, completely welcome. We love to hear about it. Any email, other thoughts you have, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, you can find the podcast online on Instagram and Twitter at Act Age. If you would also not mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you podcast, that would be really helpful to us. Tasia, where can everyone find you on the internet? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Rage Cakes. And I'm on Instagram at Rin underscore Reads. Friends, thank you so much for sticking with us on this journey. We had so much fun. It's not over yet, but it does feel very (laughs) conclusive at this point. We just love this series so much. And we hope that, I assume if you're listening to it, you're a fan, but we hope that we've maybe amplified that love and and brought up some things that you guys hadn't thought about before. Um, We really had fun talking about it with with you guys here on the podcast and offline and it's it's just been really fun and really rewarding and i love it a lot so thank you to tasia for bringing this series into my life (laughs) thank you for do without them (laughs) thank you for loving it as much as i do you know like i like you're one of the few people in the world that i feel like feels like feels this series on the level that i do so i appreciate it yeah thanks all right, well, <laughs> I guess I'm going to just go like try to live the rest of my day here. I don't know. I have to go to work now. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> and everyone else, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.